Last week we were out for uh, 4th of July. I trust that you had uh, a, a good time uh, with family. I hope that you're still grateful for the United States of America and the freedom that we do have. Amen. And, ju- and just be careful in the season that we are and with the tone of media, uh, you know, increasingly, that you don't think this is the worst place in the world. There are people willing to put themselves in extreme risk to try to get here. You know, to try to get there's people that get in boats that aren't going to make it wouldn't make it across a pond hardly. You know, it's like maybe we got a chance to get there. People all over the place because this is, you know, the land of the free. There's so we're so blessed. I mean, just so blessed. And, uh, you know, it's a real politically charged season right now. We're going to be talking more about that, um, you know, late summer and, and into the fall. I am not political. I'm not called to be political. I'm called to teach the word. But I'm also to help you to establish a good biblical worldview. Not a Christian worldview because I don't know what that is. That's kind of all over the map. But a biblical worldview. And then you can make your decisions based on that. You know, and um, righteousness exalts a nation. I said righteousness exalts a nation. Sin is a reproach to any people, brings brings ruin. And so, you know, we need to be very righteousness minded and, uh, you know, what pleases God and so forth. So we'll, we'll be talking about some of those things as we go along. But don't let all the media and all the stuff, don't let that skew your view and think that, you know, our country's sunk and God's not doing anything. God is doing so many things. It is. Ab- I'm, I'm connected with more and more pastors a- across the country, and God is doing so many things. It is just remarkable. One pastor friend of, well, I would say probably since Easter, uh, uh, among some of my pastor friends everywhere from like Alabama and down in Brandon, Florida, and some other places, um, probably seriously, about 10,000 people have been baptized. Amen. Now, that's not on the news, is it? You know? But, I mean, that's an incredible thing. And God, God's at work. God's at work. People are getting tired of the, you know, the world, and this is the cool way, and this is the, the whatever way, you know. And there's one way, and that's Jesus. And there's just a hunger in people's heart. Eternity is written in the hearts of men, and they're finding that things have a thud to them instead of eternity ringing. It's just a temporal thud. And uh, so people are hungry uh, for real deal stuff. And... Um, that is found in Jesus and in His Word and in His real deal people, okay? And that's uh, part of why we're here tonight, so we can learn and grow in some of these things. Um, two weeks ago tonight, I did some teaching uh, regarding spiritual warfare, and I want to talk about that a little bit more tonight, and uh, I believe this will be helpful to you. R- realize that sometimes when we just hear that term, if you've been in, quote, church world any length of time at all, that may evoke different uh, thoughts as to what spiritual warfare is. How many of you have probably wit- witnessed some really extreme, goofy spiritual warfare, okay? I- I'm not kidding you. I was actually on staff at a church for a little while, and they went through a season of this where... Um, and I was uncomfortable every time. And I'd have to go to these meetings because I was on staff. And I'd come home and tell Alicia, I'd go, this is nuts. This is nuts. Well, they'd pass out bags for people to throw up demons into. Any, anybody can vouch for this? You Okay. How many of you know that's probably not in the Bible? But how many of you know probably somewhere along the way there was probably somebody who probably had some demonic something and that may have happened? 
And so somebody saw it and said, well, that's the only way it happens. And that's why you never make doctrine at a manifestation. So anything that is powerful and true can be taken to an extreme. And, and so we want to avoid the extremes and stay in the road of truth, stay out of the ditches. Don't avoid these things. And see, that's the reactionary thing. And I'll be quite honest, that tends to be the reaction of people. You see people going into extremes this way with something. It's like, well, then I just want to avoid that. And, and what we have to do is get in the road of truth that the Bible teaches. Right. To rightly divide the word of truth. And you come to know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free. So with all that said, ushers, could you bring the bags now for everybody? In the... <laughs> ah, joking, joking, joking. All right. Like it or not, believe it or not, we are in a battle. And in the end, Satan loses. And until then, we're in battle. Now, technically, Satan is defeated. He is defeated. Uh, But the lease has not run out, so to speak, on the earth. And he's still deceiving whoever he can deceive. And so he's still trying to tell you he's your landlord and he's not. He's still, how many of you, he's still trying to collect some rent from you, okay? You know, he's, he's still coming around doing this because he's just a liar and a creep and he's got dents in his head because if you got cast down from heaven like that, you, you wouldn't be right either, okay? All right. And so in the meantime, we have a lot of skirmishes. We have a lot of battles. We are in battle. Don't kid yourself. Um, but we can win battles. I said we can win battles. And ultimately, the war will be won. Let's read in in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 13. Paul is concluding uh, one of his most remarkable writings, the book of Ephesians. Six chapters. How many of you could probably read six chapters? You could read six chapters in the time that it would take you to watch one episode of Toddlers and Tierras. How many of you ever saw that show? Okay, I don't want to mess with any of you pageant moms or whatever, but, but what I see on TV, all those people should be arrested. I just, I just want to say that. Just, just, just want to say that real quick. Has nothing to, has nothing to do with the message. Back to Scripture. Finally, my brethren, in conclusion, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might. Paul is declaring that. He's decreeing that to people. There's a, I believe there's impartation of that. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you, go ahead and say that's me, that you may be able to stand. You, you will be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but, now insert, but we do wrestle. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but... Implied there, we do wrestle against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, because of all that, take up the whole armor of God that you, say that's me again, that you may be able, look, you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. To stand. So we are able to win. Now I want you to notice there is this hierarchy of evil. And it's a little bit of review for us. It's unseen, dark, strong, evil. And ultimately this battle is about two kingdoms. 
Okay? It's two kingdoms. Any battle that you have, listen to me, is going to be about two kingdoms. It's going to be about love or hate. It's going to be about light or dark. It's going to be about truth or lies. Everything. People you know, people you're connected to, struggling, going through stuff. It's really a battle about two kingdoms. You know, we're going to live for God or we're not going to live for God. You know, and it's, there's one way or the other. There's not a neutral zone. And that's one of the lies the devil has tried to put. Well, you, can, you don't have to live for God or the devil. You can just do it for yourself. No, and, and there's just two categories. Jesus said you're either for me or you're against me. And so get on the right team. Get on the right bus. Okay? And so what we have here is this battle between two kingdoms. Light, darkness. God, the devil. Always remember that light always overcomes darkness. Light will always overcome darkness. And we talked a little bit about the extremes already. Remember again that our lives are not centered, although we are in a battle, real deal stuff. Our lives are not centered on spiritual warfare. Instead, our lives are about living a joyful, obedient life. I want to get that across to you. If you will be joyful and obedient, you're going to win. 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 So don't make it so much about, you know, the devil and darkness and everything else. Don't don't overreact on all of that. It, it's about living a joyful, obedient life unto God. Being aware that we're in a battle, but our focus is I'm going to obey God with joy in my heart. And um, you will win. Can I get an amen out of anybody here? When we were born, we entered a battlefield. When we were born again, we enlisted in, an, in a winning army. We have authority in Jesus' name. I said we have authority in Jesus' name. Uh... We have uh, Marion County Sheriff's deputy stand right back here. Would you wave? We just want to thank you for, for your service. Wave at him real quick. All right. Now, he has, and I don't, mean, I don't mean to embarrass you. We use them because security, traffic, and so forth. He has a badge on tonight. And that badge gives him superpowers. That badge says, there's a lot behind me than just me. And he's trained, and he's skilled, been taught things, trained in things, stays sharp on those things, has weapons, has communication, because there's more behind him than just him. He needs backup, backup's there. Need more backup, backup's there. You need more backup, there's tanks there. Are you you, you following me? There's a whole lot behind the badge. Y'all get that? And I just want Meadowbrookers, listen to me, you and your children... We honor authority. Amen. We honor authority. Right. Even if you're wrong, right. you honor authority. Okay? Just want to throw that in too. Now, the name of Jesus is like our badge. And when we use the name of Jesus, that's like the badge. So the devil's harassing you, flash your badge. In the name of Jesus. And one night I was, this was a number of years ago, as a, as a chaplain in the sheriff's office, I was riding with a, a, a supervisor in an unmarked car and stopped for a second on a, on a street to look down the side street, just to kind of look down because they were looking for somebody. And this car was behind us 
and start honking their horn and yelling at her. And so all he did was turn on the the lights that were in the back window. It just flashed real quick, and the guy was like, "That's good." <laughs> Whole lot changed real quick. Okay? And so, I don't have any power. You don't have any power. We have some. But everything that we have comes from the Lord. But the, but the authority that we have in this life and for this battle is in the name of Jesus. It's not in God's Holy Son. Don't describe Him. The power's in the name. It's in the name of Jesus. So read with me real quick. And, and I want to do this tonight. And this is a good opportunity to say this. Um, we put scriptures on the screen. But I don't want you to just rely upon those. Because, you know, people would forget their Bible or we have a guest or somebody new to everything. Then, you know, that's a good way for them to see scripture. But I want you to know your way around the book. Okay. And so uh, I didn't. This was kind of a late entry. I gave it to them. It will be on the screen. But if you, have, if you have your Bible, you can read this. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20 and 21, it says, When he worked in Christ, which he worked in Christ, when he, God, raised him, Jesus, from the dead, and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Watch this. Far above all principality. Who are we talking about? We're talking about Jesus is seated positionally. And in all authority in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. And so I want you to know our authority is in Jesus' name because Jesus' name is above every name that is named. And he is above all all principality, all might, all power, all dominion. Are you with me on that? So there's incredible power in the name of Jesus. Now, let's go a little bit further here. We have opposition from the enemy, but we have this authority and ability in Jesus' name to withstand. And I shared this with you two weeks ago. I teach this from time to time. Sometimes you just have this heaviness. You just got something just harassing you, plaguing you, so to speak. How many of you, any real people here? You know what? And it's like, well, what is this? What is this? What is? And sometimes I will just do this and you don't have to wear camouflage to do this. You don't have to strike an action pose to do this. You don't have to raise your voice to do this. You just have to flash your badge, so to speak. And say, in the name of Jesus, leave me now. And I'm telling you, listen, I'm telling you, that works. That works. It's the authority of Jesus' name. And what that is, that's part of that battle. Because the devil would love to every morning visit you and make you think, you're down today. Pretty sad, pitiful today. And if you buy into that, guess what you'll be all day? Sad and pitiful. And he'll lie to you. If you be sad and pitiful all day, people will have pity on you and they'll give you more attention. Because you're sad and pitiful. And after a while, you're in day two of sad and pitiful. And then after a while, you get your name changed to sad and pitiful. You know? Because you just think you are. And you don't have to be. That's right, amen. And I understand things go on in life. I understand even things go on in our bodies and so forth. But you know what? If there's something spiritual about what's going on, and I want to assure you there is, then deal with it in the right way. And in the authority of Jesus' name, leave me 
now. Get alone with God in those times and watch what He'll do to help you with that. In Ephesians 6.11 in the message, it says that we're able to stand up to everything the devil throws in your way. I like that. All right, this battle is spiritual. This battle is strategic. The devil has wiles and schemes and tricks. I did a series two or so years ago called Traps and Tricks. I would encourage you to go back and and, uh, check on that one. And then it is also subtle because the enemy can't overwhelm you. He can't just overwhelm you. He has to lie to you. He has to hinder you. He has to deceive you in some way. So he's kind of subtle on some of these things. His tactics are uh, deceptive. At times, uh, it's not obvious. At times, it's very sneaky. But after a while, you should start to recognize some of these patterns. I want to show you something. This morning, I was in, in my study doing working on this, and this just kind of came to mind the more I thought about it. I thought this would be a good thing to do tonight. Um, when I was growing up, we watched a lot of cartoons, and uh, one of them was Bugs Bunny. And Bugs Bunny is not politically correct, and a lot of times pretty violent. And I love it! <laughs> and um, anyway, they had little, you know, they had Bugs Bunny's kind of the main industry, and then you had, you know, the coyote and, you know, different things along the way. So um, there's Sam the Sheepdog. Do you remember him? And then the coyote. And so we, we put together a little clip real quick here. Uh, because, listen, this is a perfect picture of spiritual warfare. For real. Perfect picture of spiritual warfare. Go, y'all go ahead and roll that real quick. If you're if you're a guest tonight, 
please give us another chance. Please just come back. It's like, pastor is so immature. He's got toys and cartoons and all. Isn't that a good picture of spiritual warfare? Let's look in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2 in the Amplified Bible. It says, in which at one time you walked habitually, you were following the course and fashion of this world. We're under the sway. We visited this word two weeks ago. Everybody say sway. Under the sway of the tendency of this present age. There's something that causes, there's a tendency of this present age. And sway has to do with control and influence. Following the prince of the power of the air. So this is a spiritual thing. You were, were, obedient to and under the control of the demon spirit that still constantly works in the sons of disobedience. Watch this. The careless, the rebellious, and the unbelieving who go against the purposes of God. So this phrase, under the sway, get this again, it means under the control and under the influence, and we see here that it's something demonic, it's something devilish. And when we are disobedient, listen, and I want to say this clearly, that we've been delivered out from under that sway. But it is still possible that we could be under what we were delivered from. Did y'all hear that? Okay, let me read you a verse and then we'll come back to that idea. Colossians 1.13, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed or transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. So get this, you and I as believers have been delivered from that. But it is possible, how many of you know it is still possible for you to do all the things that you used to do before you got rescued out of the kingdom of darkness? Well, this side's fessing up. What about you guys over here? Come on. Okay. Is, that's still possible. And what we draw from this, we still could conduct ourselves as a son of disobedience. And as a result of that, end up under the influence and control of something other than God. Something actually devilish. And this brings out of the language here. And these are the behaviors, follow this, or conditions in us. If you are careless, if you are rebellious, or if you are unbelieving. How many of you know you can be born again on your way to heaven and be careless, rebellious, or unbelieving? Or two of them or three of them. And so when we are careless, rebellious, and or unbelieving, we actually can find ourselves under the control and influence, under the sway of the very same thing that we've been delivered from. But we still could be under, under that. Does that make sense to you? And when we do that, here's what happens. One careless step leads to another careless step. And another careless step leads to another. One rebellious step leads to Another rebellious step, and so on and so forth. One unbelieving step can lead to another unbelieving step. And here's what you'll be found to be doing. Get this. Cooperating with the defeated enemy of your soul. It is possible. Church, get this. It is possible for us, born again, to voluntarily cooperate with the enemy of our soul. Some of y'all are just looking at me, but I'm telling you. Not just from scripture, but from real life. It's possible for us to do that. 
Now, it is also possible for us to get out of that. But let's, let's follow this a little bit because I don't want me or you to be careless. Let, let me back up. I don't want you to be under the control and influence of, of the enemy. And so one of the ways we do it, see, some people have, you know, it's the Flip Wilson theology again. The devil made me do it. The devil didn't make you do nothing. I said the devil didn't make you do nothing. You decide. You decide. And what happens is we can end up voluntarily cooperating with the enemy of our soul who wants to destroy us by being careless, rebellious, or unbelieving. Now, let's follow And then I don't want to cooperate with him. Plus, if you're involved in any one or three of those things, careless, rebellious, unbelieving, it makes you vulnerable. It it makes you susceptible, you know, to what the enemy wants you to do. And it makes you what is, it makes you a person that is, uh, he is able to devour. Let's look in 1 Peter 5, 8 real quick. 1 Peter 5, 8. You still there? It says, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil. Who, who is Peter writing to right now? Christians. Listen to me. He's writing to believers. Church, everybody with me? We got a few more minutes. Y'all don't miss this. He's writing to believers. He's writing to believers. And he says this. Be sober. Be vigilant. He's saying be wide awake. Be alert. Because your adversary, the devil... Walks about, your enemy, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's looking for folks he can, and the word devour there in the Greek means to drink down, to gulp entire. Have you ever worked in the yard and stuff and you're just so thirsty? And then you just drink something. I, when I was a younger, I, I, I can still do it, but I get a chocolate milkshake. I could vanish that thing just in no time. And then you got brain freeze and everything else. But that's another story. But what Peter is saying here, you have an enemy and he's looking where you are vulnerable so he can gulp you down. And so here's the cure. Here's the cure. He said, be sober, be vigilant. He's saying, be wide awake, be aware, be alert. And if you're wide awake, aware and alert... He's not going to be able to gulp you down in that way. Now, this is about your destruction. That's what we're trying to uh, trying to uh, avert here. Uh, the enemy wants to destroy you. He wants to cut off your influence. He wants to ruin you. He wants to ruin your name. He wants to ruin your family. He wants to ruin all of those things. And his goal is not just to upset you. Listen to me. He wants to eat you. Mount you on the wall. He did, he's not just trying to tag you for research. He's trying to take you out, take you down in every way that he can. You've just got to know that. That's, that's what the enemy's after. He's not creative. He's rather predictable. But here's the deal. He's very successful. And so what we have to do, I just want to zero in on this one. We have to be careful. Look at your neighbor real quick and say, be careful. And, I, and I'm not talking about be careful, be careful when you drive and be careful when you're peeling potatoes or whatever. You know, yeah, of course, be careful with that. I'm talking about in your spiritual life, be careful. I, I'll, I'll fill that out a little bit more here in just a moment. Um, we have to be aware. And when you're aware, when you're wide awake, alert, then you won't be careless. Have you ever been driving before and just kind of got a little sleepy at the wheel? 
and you start to hit some of the gravel, clip a few mailboxes, you know. <laughs> what do you? What happens to you? We're wide awake now, aren't we? Well, I hope you don't get over in the gravel. I hope you don't clip some mailboxes. But I'm telling you what, if, if it takes... This is no lie. Uh, about a year ago, April, we went to New York City with some pastor friends of ours. And we're driving from JFK into the city. And our taxi driver, who we couldn't communicate with in English anyway, <laughs> fell asleep. <coughs> he... He just fell asleep and just drifted over, and this big truck, you know, comes by us. And so the rest of the way into the city, we're going, hey, you okay? I don't know if you can understand me, but I'm going to keep you awake. (laughs) And part of my job is, I don't know if you can understand me, but I hope you can get this word, be wide awake, be wide awake, be alert, be careful. Don't let yourself get lax in some things. I'll describe those lax things here in just a moment. Let's, let's look at something here. Realize that we want to be sharp in all of this. And there's two ways that you can learn this. In the classroom or by crisis. I mean, you know, it's always better to learn in the, in the classroom. Now, you can get wisdom or you can have consequences. You know, and wisdom plants a sign at the edge of the cliff that says, be careful and don't step past this point. You can learn wisdom that way. Consequences will visit you in the hospital. But either way, you learn. I'd rather learn this way. Okay? And that's part part of what we're doing here. Let's look real quick here in Proverbs 5 and verse 1. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Lend your ear to my understanding. Go down to verse 8. Remove your way far from her. Her represents anything that distracts you, pulls you away. Remove your way far from her. Do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others, your years to the cruel one, lest aliens be filled with your wealth and your labors go to the house of a foreigner and you mourn at last when your flesh and body are consumed. Sounds like he got devoured. Why? Because the long way is better than the wrong way. It's because... He got careless with something. And we'll see this in a second. Verse 14, and I was on the verge of total ruin in the midst of the assembly and the congregation. On the verge of total ruin in the middle of, in front of everybody. How did that happen? Because it got careless, rebellious, or unbelieving. Now, did it have to happen? No. And let's look real quick here in um, verse 12 and 13 of Proverbs 5. It says, you say... And this is what this guy is saying here. He's in the verge of total ruin. He says, how I hated discipline. If only I had ignored, had not ignored all the warnings. Oh, why didn't I listen to my teachers? Why didn't I pay attention to my instructors? And so he had every opportunity. Get this. If you'll get yourself plugged into church and start and end your day right and live your day right in between... I'm, I'm, listen to me on this, then you can avoid being, you, you have every opportunity to succeed. Amen. Or you can be careless. You can be rebellious. And you can be unbelieving. Now, in James 4.17, it says this, Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is what? Sin. It is sin. Now, let me ask you. He knew to do it, but he didn't do it. Why didn't he do it? Why didn't I do it? Why don't you do it? We know to, good, to do good, but we don't do it. Why sometimes? I'll tell you why. Because we're careless. 
Sometimes we're rebellious. Sometimes we're unbelieving. Sometimes we're too casual about this. And we've got to realize that we cannot be careless. Now, it says if you know to do good, follow me on this. If you know to do good and you don't do it, it is what? It is sin. Now, typically when we think of sin, we think of you did something bad and you did something evil. And that's true. But sin really, in the Greek word right here for sin, means this, to miss the mark. And I want to read this to you just exactly so I don't mess it. To miss the mark and so not share in the prize. To miss the mark and so to not share in the prize. It didn't say that what you did... You shouldn't do it because it's evil and because it's bad. It's saying you shouldn't do that because then you're going to miss the mark and there's no reward. So what it's saying is if I know to do good and I don't do it, I hinder myself. When I know to do good and I don't do it, it's sin. I miss the mark and I don't get, I, I don't share in the prize, the help, the blessing, the reward that God would have for me in my life. And it means that things won't work for me. Listen to me. If you know to do good... And you don't do it, something's not going to work for you. And when you know to do good and you don't do it, that's not wisdom. And you're going to leave openings in your life. And that's what spiritual warfare really is about, is the openings in your life. We have an enemy that is defeated, but he's a liar. And he's still knocking at your door, crawling under grass, flying in on a helicopter. He's trying every little trick that he can. But the whole deal has to do with staying alert and not allowing openings. Because if we're aware of these things and not careless about this, then there won't be those openings. Now, let me just conclude with this. Don't be careless. And and pastor, what do you mean don't be careless? Don't be careless in your stewardship. Look, Look at me, listen to me. In how you handle your finances, don't be careless. The Bible says, redeeming the time... Because the days are evil. It says, don't be unwise, but be wise. Walk circumspectly. Some of the other translations said, live carefully. Because the days are evil. You know what? If you're not careful, then your days are going to be worse. So even financially, listen to me. Be careful. Stay alert. Don't be careless in relationships. Evil companions do what? The corrupt good character. Don't be careless with your words. Death and life are in the power of tongue. Words give life or they take it away. Don't be careless in your thought life. Be careful what you're thinking. Do you know where the battlefield is? Between your ears. It's right there. Be careful with your thought life. Did you know that you can bring every thought captive and cast down imaginations? Bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Be careful in your thought life. Be careful in your church attendance. Do you think Scripture was kidding about as you see the day approaching? Don't follow the habit of some people that neglect this time together. It said so much the more. Make this a pattern of your life to get here. We're going to do everything that we can with the help of God to make it life-giving for you every time that you come. I'm not kidding when I say church days affect the rest of your days. Don't get careless in that. Well, we don't need to go today or this. And I understand life. I fully do. 
And I understand, you know, stuff with the kids and the overload of schedule and all those things. But don't get careless. The pattern of your life, it should be almost predictable what you're going to do when it's church time. And I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to build attendance. We've got attendance. I'm trying to build people. I'm trying to help people. And it can't help you if you're out of reach. Well, I just watch my internet. That's abuse. And those of you watching my internet that could have got here tonight. Love you. Right after service, an usher's driving by your house with an offering bucket. No, so, no I'm just, I'm just joking. Thought you'd dodge us. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Halfway. Um, don't be careless in your church attendance. Now I'm going to meddle just for a minute. And don't be careful or careless in your entertainment choices. I don't have to sing every song the world's singing. I don't have to watch everything the world's watching because you know what? I got a battlefield that I've got to guard. It's right between here. And guess what? Here's gates and here's gates for things to go in and get in that battlefield. And I got to make sure that I'm outnumbering the enemy on that battlefield. Don't be careless and give yourself to a joyful life of obedience. Now, let me just give you some takeaway and then we're going to close in prayer here tonight. I think if you'll start your day and end your day in the right way, you're going to have a whole lot more success in between. I've given you this principle. It's just a principle. It's just a guideline. It will expand, hopefully, in your life. I call it first and final 15. Everybody say it. First and final 15. I, you can do this. I don't care who you are. You, you can be the world's most important, busy person. And you can start and finish your first 15 minutes and your last 15 minutes to get in God's Word real quick and to pray. And just to submit yourself to God. You can do it. And then I want to remind you of this too. Maybe you've been careless. Maybe you've been rebellious. Maybe you've been unbelieving. Maybe you've got some op- openings in your life. Here's what you can do. His mercies are new every morning. You can get a total new start from God. You can get a reset from God anytime. But I want you to know I'm so aware of it. Because I thank God for it every morning. That His mercies are brand new every morning and you may have been off 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 and off guess what you can come back fresh start thankful for the fresh start when i was in elementary school i was not a bad kid but i was in a lot of trouble all the time i was not a mean kid let me put it that way i was not a mean kid i was a busy kid and all i was was a preacher in training (laughs) teacher was talking to the class i wanted to talk to the class I wanted to help them with things. I wanted to make them laugh. I wanted to, I wanted to do whatever. And, and I was busy, okay? And consequently, my name ended up on the chalkboard. And then checks followed. How many of you know when you're in second grade, that check hurts? It's like, oh. Timmy? Do I have to? And so I'd leave school that afternoon, especially second grade. I don't know what it was about second grade. I was sure my teacher hated me. There were times she walked me to the cafeteria, holding my ear the whole way. But I'd leave school, get on my little bicycle, ride home or, or walk home. We just lived a couple of blocks from the, from the school. And the last thing I'd see in that classroom is Timmy and about five checks. 
I'd come back in the next morning and that chalkboard had been washed and I had a fresh start. And I'd go home with Timmy in five ten. <laughs> but eventually it got better. It got better. Do you get my point though? The mercies new every morning. Do you get anything at all out of this tonight?